Giant moth in Washington? Hydrogen trains? Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is animal news. <laughs> this is from SmithsonianMag.com. And the headline is First U.S. Sighting of Massive Atlas Moth Confirmed. What? Yeah, you know what an atlas moth is because they're of in Animal, Animal Crossing, Crossing. <laughs> which is part of the reason I brought this story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, in July, on July 7th actually, a homeowner near Seattle found a very large dark orange moth clinging to the wall of his garage. He stamped a photo of it and sent an email to Patrick Tobin, an entomologist at the University of Washington, who identified it as an atlas moth. One of the largest moth species in the world. Uh, the sighting in suburban Seattle is believed to be the first confirmed incidence of this moth in the United States, like ever seen, like just out. I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize they weren't. I mean, I only know them from Animal Crossing. Yeah, so yeah, nope. They're, they're native not. to Animal Crossing. Um, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Atlas moths are native to tropical regions um, of the world, like India, Indonesia, and the Philippines. Um, which makes the sighting in the Pacific Northwest especially bizarre, according to this article. It's not clear how the Atlas moth found its way to Washington, but scientists have a guess. Apparently someone with um, an account based somewhere around there was illegally selling Atlas moth cocoons on eBay at some point <laughs> what? this year or something, and the listing was taken down, but it is suspected that the Atlas moth likely escaped from that person um, this is according to the Seattle Times. Atlas moths are considered a federally quarantined pest in the U.S., which mm. means it's illegal to obtain, harbor, um, rear, or sell live moths. Like, raise. Raise them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or sell live moths, um, whether adults, eggs, larvae, or you know anything, um, without a permit. Mm. That's according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, as of now, the individual sighting doesn't mean there's like an infestation or anything, but the state's agricultural department is asking the public to photograph, collect, and report any atlas moths that they see out and about, um, which will help them determine if there is a population of them in the area. Um, because, and this is why there's all these regulations and stuff, atlas moths um, could affect uh, the fruit growing industry. Um, adult moths don't do anything like they're harmless apparently um this article said that they don't have mouths that's true for a lot of creatures that go through like a metamorphosis of some sort like the adult version doesn't eat like they just don't have a mouth i thought they had like they exist like purely to breed and die <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wait they just that's don't, what they happens don't eat with, at like, all i think it's like midges like those things that oh, come every yeah. once in a while too they like once they're in their adult form they have no mouth they just exist to breed and die. I did not know this. I yeah. thought it was like butterflies where they have that, like, what's it called? A proboscis. A proboscis, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I thought they would have that, but yeah, okay. Why don't, yeah, I guess these aren't pollinators at all. They're just, or maybe they are pollinators. They, they just, just don't go around and have any reason to. I don't know. <laughs> they just try to reproduce and that's it. That's what you're saying. Well, that's, I, that's my I, understanding. I it, it was like they don't have a mouth. I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't know that. Learn something new. If you're listening, 
Maybe you learned also that. You save that. a lot of time not um, having to eat, I'm sure. Probably. Can you imagine not having to eat or sleep? How much more stuff we'd get done? Yeah. Actually, no. I would have so much time. It'd be amazing. The thing is, though, like, our culture would have evolved that we'd be, like, at work, like, way longer, yeah, I think. That's probably true, huh? <laughs> I've thought about this before, and I'd be like, that'd be amazing. And then be like, no, the work day would probably be, like, 12 hours in our culture if we didn't have to sleep. And it wouldn't actually be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, the adult moths don't have any mouths, but the caterpillars of this moth... Um, they eat apples and cherry trees, or the leaves of apple trees and cherry trees. Um, and so if there was, like, an infestation or too large of a population, that could, like, it could, like, you know, get into certain mm-hmm. fruit crop areas and um, be a threat there. So that's yeah. why they're, like, kind of being watched, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so some fun facts. Atlas moths have wingspans of about 10 inches around there. And the only moth we know of with a larger wingspan than that is the white witch moth. Whoa, I've never even heard of that. I hadn't either before this. It's not an animal crossing, so I'd have no way of <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and those can have wingspans of around 14 inches wide. It's like over a foot wide, so it's like, it's just huge. That's a huge moth. Yeah. Um, but this did note that Atlas moths are believed to have the largest wing area of all known moths. Mm. So the, the actual like area calculation is like somehow the largest. Gotcha. Um Yes, and their wings have markings that resemble the head of a snake, which when I was looking at it, that wasn't what I thought. But after it said it, I was like, okay, I actually kind of see why they said that. I always that. thought it was more like an owl face with like the eyes. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought it looked like at least. If you look at it upside – I'll show you a picture in a second. If you look at it like upside down, I could see how it could look kind of like a snake head. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, So and it says that they use that to kind of like disguise themselves from predators. Um but anyway, yeah, Atlas moths, they're, they're really cool. Um, this article had an infographic with some other moths that kind of look similar to an Atlas moth, but are just smaller that are native to the U.S. Um, so it was kind of an interesting, and I'll show you that. There's like a, so it shows you the difference of like, okay, if you see this one, that's fine. But if you see this one, that's that's the Atlas moth, and you're supposed to report it to somebody. <laughs> Whoa. Um, if, uh, if you see one in the U.S. I think they're so beautiful. Yeah, I think they're really cool looking. Like they like that burnt orange color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and then this is the picture of the the guy that found it in Seattle. Wow, it's so big. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, they're so neat though. They're so cool. Um, but yeah, if I saw that outside, I feel like I would just be like so just odd. Like I'd be like, wow. Yeah, if it started like moving pretty. towards me, I'd be like, no. But as long as I mean, it stays in one place, I think I'd be okay. I think if I, I don't know. Moths don't like gross me out or anything. I think they're yeah. like they're like butterflies to me. They're nighttime I think it's just, butterflies. It's just too big. It just it freaks me out. It's just too big. Yeah. Well, if you see one in Ohio, then yeah. definitely so alert somebody problem. because <laughs> they're not supposed to be here. <laughs> All right. Uh, my story is technology news. This is from CNN. The world's first hydrogen-powered passenger trains are here. Well, not here, he- but like here. They're in the world now. They're, they're in operation yes. somewhere? 
So starting Wednesday, the first ever rail line to be entirely run on hydrogen-powered trains began operating in Germany. Wow. Of course it's Germany. Yeah. There's it's either, I was like, it's either going to be Germany or Japan. Somewhere with like a good (laughs) public transit system. Um, So 14 hydrogen trains powered by fuel cell propulsion will exclusively run on the route uh, in Bremervord, Lower Saxony, um, which I guess is a region of Germany. All right. I don't know. Uh, The trains, five of which debuted on Wednesday, will gradually replace the 15 diesel trains that currently run on the route, uh, with all 14 running exclusively by the end of the year. Uh, Just one kilo of hydrogen fuel can accomplish the same uh, as around 4.5 kilos of diesel, apparently. So that's awesome. It's less fuel to accomplish the same amount. And the trains are emissions free and low noise. With only steam and condensed water issuing from the exhaust, so they're yes, completely clean. Yes, which is like the whole thing with hydrogen fuel, right? Is that it? Just mm-hmm. Water comes out. Yep, it's like, the yes. emissions are completely safe. Could hold a cup underneath the exhaust, and I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't probably, wouldn't probably drink this, it, but, but you pro- theoretically <laughs> could drink it. Um, so they have a range of one thousand kilometers or six hundred twenty-one miles, uh, meaning that they can run for an entire day uh, on the network on a single tank of hydrogen. And a hydrogen filling station has already been established on the route. Um, so sounds they're like efficient in every way. Basically, is you only need to chart like refuel them once a day. It's awesome. Uh, you need less fuel, and the fuel is better <laughs> for everyone. Um, the trains can go a maximum of 140 kilometers per hour or 87 miles per hour. Though the regular speeds on the line are much less than that. But just pointing out that they can go that fast, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Um, like the Changing to this fuel doesn't, like, make them less fast. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, and uh, the train's next destination will be in Frankfurt, where 27 of them have been ordered for the metropolitan area. Uh, they will also be appearing in Italy, where six trains have been commissioned for use in the northern Lombardy region. And in France, where 12 trains will be shared across four regions. So That's great. Not only are they now going in Germany, they're going to be... Uh, expanding to other places in Germany and then other places in Europe as well. So hydrogen-powered trains. How cool is that? That's really cool. Uh, sorry if you said this and I missed it, but how do you know like how they make the fuel? Like how is the fuel created for these? Do you know? If that's you don't, a that's a great okay. question that I do not know the answer to. I've probably read something about this at some point, but. I was just wondering if you knew. If not, that's okay. Um, yeah, they just said fuel cells like it was nothing. <laughs> yeah, because like, like, you know, fuel cells. You know, like, you uh, know, fuel cells that just have hydrogen in it. This is, if you're curious, this is, they look like a regular train. This is what they look like. Oh, yeah, that just looks like a normal train. Like a normal train. <laughs> really, in my mind, was envisioning this, like, super, like, futuristic, no. sleek design. <laughs> it's like, not exactly just, the most aesthetically appealing It's just train, a normal train look. It is much more uh, fuel efficient, so... That's well. That, that's good news for everybody. And maybe someday we'll make them look good too. <laughs> <laughs> it looks fine. <laughs> All right, it's time for breaking news—the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Moths. <laughs> Ready, set, go. go! Okay, this is from CNN, and there is an update from the James Webb Space 
telescope Ooh. today Spain. from a few hours ago. Um, the telescope has captured the first evidence of carbon dioxide on an exoplanet. Whoa. That's kind of big. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly what this means, but <laughs> means I mean, I know what it, it means. It means there's somebody standing on that planet breathing out. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't, yes. What are the implications of this? I'm not exactly sure. The article doesn't seem to say that. So, um, yeah, um, and also if, if you are listening and you don't know what an exoplanet is, it just means a planet outside of our solar system. Um, this exoplanet that they're looking at is called WASP-39b. Hmm. It's a hot gas giant orbiting a sun-like star that is 700 light years from Earth. And it's apparently part of a larger web investigation that includes two other uh, planets, I guess, near there. I don't know. Okay. Um, and... It says that understanding the atmospheric makeup of planets like this is critical for knowing their origins and how they evolved. Um, the team made the carbon dioxide observation using the telescope's near-infrared spectrograph, which is one of four instruments on the telescope. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, it says that there, this, is, this project that this is part of um, is an initiative designed to provide data from the telescope to the exoplanet research community as soon as possible, guiding further scientific study and discovery. So, That's exciting stuff. Um, yeah, and this is going to be uh, published in Nature at some point. Um, I guess it's in the news already. I don't know how that works. <laughs> um, <laughs> to, to be published. To, to be published. Publication pending. Um, but yeah, so that seems like a big deal. <laughs> um, yeah, the fact that we've apparently yeah. never seen it before—that's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't. I'm not up to date on what gases are expected out there, but <laughs> yeah, um, what, what gases are we looking for? Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they can see, if they can use the telescope to actually see like the atmospheric makeup of these planets that are like so far away, like that's just so cool because they could find one that is like Earth, right? Yeah. And if they zoom in a little bit further, they could see little people. <laughs> <laughs> the telescope just has endless zoom. Yeah, right? like, it just, I mean, it just it's very big. Going, so yeah. It just gets closer and closer. It just gets closer. <laughs> <laughs> it just has this giant telescoping thing that just keeps extending, like, mm -hmm. forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's science. <laughs> okay. Uh, I found this on CBS News. Skeleton of an 82-foot-long dinosaur was found in a man's backyard in Portugal. What? This is my dream. <laughs> it, I know, right? Like I you just like, this. like you I start, want to find like I want to find just an arrowhead. An arrowhead. I, know, I know. I feel like everybody in Ohio right. finds arrowheads all the time, and yeah, I've never I found find one. An arrowhead. Um, but they said this could be the largest ever found in Europe. Um, the large, like the largest dinosaur ever found in Europe. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it was found in this guy's backyard. Wow. Uh, he noticed fragments of fossilized bone in his yard when he was carrying out construction in 2017 and contacted a research team um, who then launched a uh, an, an excavation campaign that same year. Um, earlier this month, paleontologists from Spain and Portugal worked at the site for over a week, and they believe they've unearthed the remains of the largest sauropod dinosaur to ever be found on the continent. Wow. Um, and so sauropods are 
plant-eating, four-legged dinosaurs with long necks and tails. So, like, a brachiosaurus. Is brontosaurus the same? Apatosaurus. So I'm like, I'm not, I can never remember. I think, like, brontosaurus and apatosaurus are, like, the same thing or something. I don't know. But they're all that, they're that kind of dinosaur that have the long neck. You know. That have the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know them. Yeah, yeah. You know them. You love them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know this Uh, So... Uh, this particular dinosaur measured around 39 feet tall and 82 feet long. Um, and yeah, they just, like one of the researchers said, it's not common to find all the ribs of an animal like this, let alone in this position, maintaining their original uh, anatomical position. Um, this mode of preservation is relatively uncommon in the fossil record of dinosaurs, particular sar- in particular sauropods um, from the Portuguese upper Jurassic. So this is a picture like, they're basically like it's just the ribs are just there. Whoa! Can you imagine just finding that? Ugh, I'm so jealous. Look at that. That's crazy. I my mouth is like hanging open. It just right now. I mean That's, it's literally I knew, I mean, a I knew perfect rib big, cage. But like that picture just oh, makes yeah, it it's huge. So much more. It just puts it into perspective how how large that it's is. It's a perfect giant rib cage. It's so cool. Um, oh, that's so they've so collected. Cool. They said they've collected the most important parts of it from the site already, um, including the vertebrae and ribs. Uh, and yeah, they they believe that due to the particular like preservation characteristics of this dinosaur, they think that they might find other parts of its skeleton in the area as well. Um, just like the fact that it was so well preserved, there's probably more of it, is what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just wow. Were, and that was just somebody's backyard. It was just in somebody's backyard. Wow. I just it just makes me want to go in my backyard and start digging and see if I find anything. Which yeah. I won't. <laughs> that makes but me want to do that too. Just one just one arrowhead. Is that just so hard? Find an arrowhead. Toss me an arrowhead history. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash News, on Twitter at at News, and on Instagram at News. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.